Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Truth For Your 20s podcast. My name is Katie and I'm your host today. But today I actually am handing the mic mostly to my new college student friend, my new friend, Jill. I met her because I recently spoke at her college and we just connected. She is a PR major. PR marketing majors, take note because this girl is super smart. She just stood out. She wrote a LinkedIn article about the great experience she had um, with me coming to her school and stuff and reached out, wanted to learn more about the podcast. And I was like, well, why don't we just, you know, make it a thing? And so she's going to do a reverse interview today. Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I was your typical heartbroken and hungover sorority girl who looked for love in boys, Bacardi, and did I mention boys? After the breakup that broke me, I met the only man who can truly fulfill me. His name is Jesus. Shortly after that, I met my husband, the best example I have met of Jesus on this earth. Today, I have never been more sure I am right where I'm supposed to be on a mission to help today's young women find their life calling, stop dating dirtbags, and basically just be who I needed when I was younger. I've been called a big sis, an adopted mom, or my favorite title, a cool aunt. But however you think of me, get ready to be challenged and encouraged. This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Hi, um, I'm Jillian DeMarco. I was born and raised in Alpharetta, Georgia. I know you are a Georgia girl as well. So um, yeah, awesome. I'm a sophomore at the University of South Carolina, and I currently serve as the vice president of chapter development for the 5U chapter. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, I basically, I was scrolling on TikTok and I saw this girl's recommendation um, about your book, actually. And I was like, okay, this is very relevant to my life now. Uh, the sorority girls can change the world book. And so I quickly Amazoned it to my apartment. And I did a little background <laughs> research because that's what I always do when I read a book. I want to know who I'm reading it from. And I love the message that you had to share. Um, I just thought it was great. And it's very relevant for all the girls that are my age that are leaders, especially in sorority chapters. So I read your book and I loved it. And a couple of weeks ago, I asked you to sp- uh, speak at one of our sorority meetings, and I had so many girls texting me after thanking me for your appearance and for what you had to say, because those are things that we need to hear. So it was awesome. Oh, <laughs> you're <laughs> filling my love tank right now, sister. Oh, I do my best. <laughs> it's so interesting because I work from home, as you see right now, in yoga pants and dirty hair. And you know, you often don't see what you're doing, especially during the zoom times when you don't really get to like hug and, you know, take pictures and see eyeball to eyeball, the people that you're so passionate about helping. And the fact that a girl from South Carolina, uh, you know, reached out. So girlfriend, (laughs) much love, much love ever here from Chattanooga. (laughs) Oh, much love from USC. (laughs) So this is one of the first questions that like podcast that I ever listened to was Sadie Robertson's. It's called the woe podcast. And Every week, the way she begins her podcast is she asks her guest, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? And it was funny because when I talked to you about this yesterday, you said, I have so many categories for like the best piece of advice. And I was like, okay, that's what Ben Higgins said when she asked him that question. So there's different categories of, of advice, but probably like the best piece of advice you've ever been given. I love that. You're 
so fun. Thank you for doing this, by the way. And you oh, took the course. time to come up with some great questions. And I am just such a fan of you already. Okay. So <laughs> I would say they're kind of like three pieces, but they all kind of go together. And that is that fear never goes away that you will never have it all figured out and it will never be the perfect time to get started. So some of those quotes to debunk those lies, I guess, are that like brave is being scared to death and walking forward anyways, that you don't have to have the whole journey. You just have to have the next step. And the only way to get ahead is to get started because every time I mentor someone and I'm in the same boat, you know, sometimes look at people further ahead of me or who have it quote all figured out nobody has it all figured out. No one is like arrived at anything. Look at the rich and the famous and the popular, you know, we are all just, yeah, taking it one step at a time. They are still fear. There is still, I don't know the end of the journey. I just know the next step. And, you know, I'm just being brave by taking one step at a time, not by having no fear. So those are my pieces of advice that have definitely been just hugely insightful and help me be to whatever the heck I'm doing over here now. <laughs> I love that. That that's definitely things that I feel like people my age need to hear because I mean, that's tough. Like <laughs> we always fear like, oh, what if this person doesn't like me or what if I don't get this job? And that's something that I've struggled with a lot recently. So my Bible study leader Jess actually told me her advice was like you are enough which is a hard thing to accept as a girl whose surroundings and life goals are constantly changing. And because we continuously put ourselves out there, whether it be with school or with jobs or even boys and friendships, sometimes those things don't work out. But down the road, you eventually realize why. But it's in the moment that you don't realize why. That's the tough part about it. So I definitely think that not fearing tomorrow is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like the people, you know, again, that we look up to, it's not that they're not afraid. It's just that they kept going anyways. So right. yeah. 100%. I love that. I love that. And like a big question I feel like is like, why not me? Cause yeah. I struggle with that a lot. Like when somebody doesn't pick you for a certain job or like, I didn't get this camp counselor position that I really wanted. And I was like, why not me? I don't think that's a fair question for girls to be asking themselves. We should be like, okay, what's next? Yeah. Rejection is just redirection. Right. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So I think the question that I really, really wanted to ask you was if you could travel back in time to your own 20 year old self, what advice would you give yourself? Oh my gosh. So many things. My quick answer to this is always that a boyfriend won't complete you. Because I searched so hard and so long and believed all those lies from Cinderella that, you know, just the glass slipper to fit me and only me and all that junk. But I was kind of pressing into that, thinking about this question a little bit more. And really, I think that the, you know, root of that is that you teach others how you want to be treated. And that's the same with dating relationships and with work and whatever. Because my self worth, if I put that in a boyfriend, golly, that's putting so much on another broken and sinful, imperfect human to complete me. Like that's just, that's crazy. And, and so, and then the whole idea of like, and women are so bad at this, like 
I'm the yes girl and I say yes to all the things and I'll be, do the project and I'll do the volunteer and like, yes, yes, yes. And then you're exhausted <laughs> and depleted and mad at the world, but who's to blame? That would be me because I teach others how I want to be treated. And that is 100% on me. So I, I started noticing this like in my twenties because I was definitely the yes girl and I still struggle with this. But when, when people would say, Oh, thank you so much for that offer, but it's not really good time in my life right now or something simple, like a simple, but grateful rejection. Thank you so much for this, but it can't work for this, for me this semester. It can't work for me in the season. I was like, Oh my gosh. And like taking notes of how you can say no graciously and the mad respect that I would then have for that person. And the same with dating, like, cool. You know, this guy's paying you attention. That doesn't mean that you need to go out with him. congratulations, you're beautiful. Of course he's paying you attention or whatever. Congratulations. <laughs> he wanted to take you to his formal. That doesn't mean you need to marry him or anything else. You know, like you don't need to go out with him just because he's paying you attention. And I definitely did not understand that when I was 20. Yeah, no, I still, I don't understand that right now either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my mom always struggling. tells me, no, my mom always tells me that she's like, you need to stop saying yes. Like there are good ways to say no. You don't need to put yourself into every single thing. Just find what you love and pursue that. That's my greatest advice from her. She's awesome. (laughs) There's a book by Lisa Turkers called The Best Yes. Have you heard of that? No, I have not. Oh my gosh. It's so good. And I often find myself asking this because sometimes it's two good decisions, right? Like, do I want to do A or B? And neither of them are wrong. But like, what is the best yes? That simple question, or what is the next best yes? Because perhaps you could- I love that. Yeah, perhaps you could do both within your lifetime, but you can't do both on a Wednesday, you know? <laughs> so- Amen, sister. <laughs> what is the next best yes for today in this hour? And that simple thing will will really help bring clarification. So that's been really I helpful for that. me. I really love that. I feel like a common theme that I've found with like my friends and other college girls is- the need to exceed expectation. So like meeting with grades and parents or even like social standing or in the boy world, which is a big one. So I constantly ask myself, like, what could I be doing to like make sure that I'm checking up on myself or being my quote unquote best, even though being the best isn't really (laughs) a good standard to have. But so what kind of advice would you have to girls who are struggling with the idea of being perfect or not making mistakes? Two things. Number one, I would say perfect isn't even a thing. So what are you truly comparing yourself to? Are you comparing yourself to someone's actual life and reality or their Instagram (laughs) (laughs) with their perfectly filtered pictures and their, and their highlight reel. And, you know, we give social media a bad rap. Like it's okay that you only put your vacation and your acceptance to nursing school. Like that's fine that you're putting your highlight reel, but let's be honest, you're crying in your closet is probably not going to make your Instagram. You know what I mean? But we all do that. (laughs) So yeah, it's like behind the scenes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so first of all, you know, think about what you're comparing to and let's say you are comparing, okay, say we have two nursing majors because that's like a really hard major, two nursing majors. And one girl got accepted to this dream program and the other one didn't. Does that mean the girl who got didn't get accepted is wrong or less than or not good enough? Maybe she's not good enough for this specific school at this specific time, this specific semester. 
But again, that rejection is redirection. So perhaps she didn't get in that school that semester because she has a different plan for her life that she just doesn't see. She's supposed to meet someone at this place or save a life at this hospital instead of this one. And there's so much that we just don't see. And right. yeah, and just reframing that whole thing. So, and another way to think about all that is I know that I used to think that good people, <laughs> Christians, the one in the Bible, whatever, they were the ones who had it right and did it right and were the quote, perfect people like you asked about. This is what my 20 year old self thought. And then when I started to realize that the heroes of our faith were a bunch of misfits and outlaws and rejects, I was like, no way. This is so exciting. <laughs> this means there is room for me too. And so it's reframing your thinking of, oh, I am not enough. I am not quote perfect. I have broken pieces and I'm, you know, 70% when I see quote everyone around me is hundred percent, which isn't true, but celebrating that because you know that God uses the imperfect broken people. So his strength can be highlighted. So I would just start, Oh my gosh, I suck at this. Awesome. That means <laughs> that means that God's strength can be made even more perfect in my weakness. So that's what I would say about that. That's great advice. You know, it's funny that you talk about rejection being redirection. I like that a lot because I tried to be a tour guide last fall and I made it to the final interviews out of like 180 people. And I got, I literally missed the cut by six people and I was devastated for weeks. And it was like the, why not me question? It was like, like six people, why not me or one of them, you know? But then a week later I decided to run for my exec position on FIMU. And that saved my life. Like without that, I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't have been able to do all these things through my chapter that are benefiting my life in a way that I didn't really know was possible during that time of devastation. So I like that you said rejection is redirection because it really is. It really is. And that's so true in dating relationships too. I talk about, you know, breakups. They're like, oh, my life is over. <laughs> you know, this is the hardest thing in the world. And golly, if I would have married some of those dirt bags, like <laughs> it would have been <laughs> awful. And those had to end so I could ultimately eat my, meet my husband. I said, eat my husband. That would be awkward. So I could ultimately meet my husband. So yeah, I mean, hundred percent. I, I love that quote. Me too. Yeah. So funny enough, yesterday I texted my family group chat and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on Katie Fulmer's podcast. <laughs> and my mom is so excited. But I was like, what questions do you guys have for me to ask her? Because I was like, there's no way I'm coming up with all of these on my own. And it was funny because my dad was like nailing out these questions. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, go dad, go dad. Like he wasn't in a fraternity or like he doesn't know anything about this kind of stuff. But he said, what would you do differently if you could go back and relive your college and sorority experience? That was very smart. I like him. If I could go back and live my sorority experience, gosh, I think that I would have enjoyed it more. I wouldn't be rushing to the next phase of life. So many girls are like, oh, I can't wait to get out of school and get married and start a family. I mean, that's cool, but enjoy what you're doing now and don't rush to the next thing and don't rush to it. I want to get a career. I want to get out of college. Just enjoy that. And I regret largely a lot of the sacrifices I made for boys. <laughs> and I would have never, ever, ever in a hundred years admitted this, but let me tell you sister, cause here we go. When I was in college, I gave up an opportunity to study abroad 
for a stinking boy. I am so embarrassed about that, but I did. I know because <laughs> I thought he was going to break up with me if I was gone the whole summer and ended up being a terrible, terrible relationship. And we broke up anyway. And obviously, but I gave up that experience because of a stupid boy. I honestly kind of gave up on my faith in a way. So I didn't really grow up Christian, but I remember my freshman year, I <laughs> was crying about a breakup on my couch. You know, my roommate was gone. I'm like on the couch, Whoa, you know, my life is over. And I saw a Billy Graham and I was like, okay, God, like I was just feeling you know, really, really broken at this time. Like, all right, I've got, I'm going to turn to you if we can just get back together, me and this dude. If, if he'll come back to me, that this is going to be my sign. I'm going to be a good girl at this point, which is just ridiculous, by the way, not how you should do it. We got back together. Guess how long that vow lasted on my end? About four seconds. Um, and so these are just <laughs> the temporary, shallow, uh, nearsighted decisions that I made. You know, I just cared about the here and now. I cared about the attention from boys. I just had so short-sighted about my future. And so I would go back and and ask myself, like, is this going to matter in a year? Is this going to matter in five years? And that would definitely change my decision. And is this boy you're crying about on the couch? Is he worth this sacrifice? And then the other boy I cried about, yeah, is he, when you're 30 and you're going to look back and say, I didn't study abroad because I didn't want this guy to break up with me one summer. (laughs) Is he worth it? Uh, no, he is not. Absolutely not. So, not. <laughs> absolutely not. And if he was, he wouldn't break up with you for going to study abroad. He'd be like, go taste your dreams, sister. So anyways, those are huge, dumb mis- decisions I made. And I would go back and encourage myself to think more long-term is the biggest thing, I think. Right. I totally understand that. That was kind of like I broke up with my boyfriend last year. And I was like, oh, gosh. Like, you know, when you just feel down. but. I was like, oh, we should get back together. That would be such a good idea. No, it's not ever a good idea. I always say if it doesn't work the first time, it's probably not going to work the second, third, or whatever times. (laughs) I always tell all my friends that too. I'm like, it's not going to work again. Don't even try it. I know. Don't ever let that boy tell you he doesn't choose you more than once. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not to say that like once every bicentennial it works out, but... (laughs) For the large part, it does not. Yeah, right? As I record this, it is the beginning of March, and I just checked. I have 15 colleges booked for this semester. I'm so excited about that. But the good news is it is not too late to book me if you would like me to come to your school. In this world of Zoom, there are no lines at TSA and travel time and airline delays and all that other craziness. I just get to hang out with you via Zoom. I know last semester I spoke to a school in Nebraska and a school in Florida with only a 15-minute buffer time, (laughs) which would be unfathomable in 2019. And although I miss a room full of world changers, I'm so thankful that I get to, quote, travel to many more schools in these circumstances. So if you are in a sorority or really just any group of women. My passion is to help you understand your power of influence, understand how to use that power to make positive changes in our world, how to change the dating world, can I get an amen, and how your founding sisters were the first to have this dream of so much more than just t-shirts and theme parties, but truly women who see the best in each other and raise each other to a higher standard. All the information can be found at katiebolmer.life. That is katiebolmer.life and click on the link for speaking. Elevari Jewelry is a faith-based jewelry line with a mission to fashion your faith. 
Founder Angela Blair, a former Miss Texas and reality show star, realized that Christian jewelry wasn't necessarily known for being fashionable. So she set out on a mission to change that. She took symbols from the Bible to help remind women that you belong to a larger sisterhood of women of faith, to be a visual and constant reminder of who you are and whose you are, all in a fashionable way. Check out Elevari Jewelry and use promo code TRUTH to get free shipping. That's elevarijewelry.com and use promo code TRUTH. So let's just jump into the biggest question that I wanted, another big question I wanted to ask you, honestly. So we talked about this a little bit. It hurts when the frat guy you're Snapchatting doesn't ask you on that date or on their formal or whatever it is. And some of my friends have been going through this recently. and I never know what advice to tell them when they come to me with questions. I'm like, I don't know, like, just give it over it, I guess. So let's just say one of my like best friends. She's been talking okay. to this guy. She really likes him. He shows like interest in her and then literally turns around and asks somebody else to his date night. And then she comes to me for advice, like what to do about it. And I'm like, I literally have no idea. <laughs> I just don't know. Well, obviously there's a lot of different circumstances, but it's natural to assume bad intentions that he was Snapchatting you, misleading you. I'm saying you, you know, best friend. um, And then ask another girl out, but perhaps it wasn't so bad intentions. Maybe he just was kind of passive and he's Snapchatting girl. We'll call her Sarah. He's Snapchatting Sarah because he likes her. This is one of your friends, but then ask another girl, because maybe the other girl asked, or maybe they started talking about it and they were at a you know, party together and she's just there and it just happens to come up and end up asking her to formal, like not necessarily trying to be deceitful and stuff like that. So trying to see the positive that I don't think it's always, you know, bad intentions if he's like deceitfully trying to ask someone else out. So that's the first thing. And then second of all, let's decide it was like the worst of intentions. And then he's like, oh my gosh, Sarah, I'm leading you on. You're so cute. I want to marry you and you make my, all my dreams come true. Ooh, let me go ask Mary out. I'm making up these names <laughs> to formal. And I'm just, I'll show her, which is by the way, probably not as bad as we think it is in our head. So that's the, if that's the intention, then well, like, you don't want to be talking to him anyways. And he just showed his true colors. So Majority of the time, I would say there's probably somewhere in the middle, like he wasn't super mean about it, but he wasn't like a completely accidentally, you know, confusing you. But yeah, just trying to see it in those different ways. So if he was blatantly disrespectful and misleading, bye bye. Thank you for clarifying that early before I got my feelings all wrapped up. Or again, just try and look to the positive and maybe just ask questions like, I'm trying to think how you would ask that. Like, Hey, so I heard you and Mary are going to formal. That sounds fun. No, maybe I wouldn't ask that. Just, just back off. Let him go to formal and don't say anything. And if he texts you later, you know, maybe just ask some more clarifying questions. Like, was that just a friend thing? How did that work out? And it'd be okay to ask some questions at that point. Okay. I wanted to tell you this funny story that I had because I wanted to get your advice on this one. So this actually happened to be my junior year of high school. I dated this guy for like the entire year. And this is like my first like real boyfriend. So you know how that feels. You're already like, oh, like honeymoon phase for like most of the relationship. And so we broke up like a few days before Valentine's Day. Aww. And of course, you're like, oh, my first Valentine's Day, like you're crushed. And I actually broke up with him, but I was still, you know, devastated as a 17 year old girl would be. And so on Valentine's Day, he took like 
quote the girl that he tells you not to worry about. You know those oh, kind of girls? No. <laughs> yes. He took her to Hooters, okay? <gasps> and apparently on Valentine's Day, Hooters has this deal where if you burn pictures of you and your ex together, you get free wings. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> so did he burn pictures of you? Yes. <laughs> <sighs> Isn't that just Ouch. Like, boys suck in a nutshell? <laughs> Yes, it is. Basically, like, I know one of your biggest mentoring plans is to help young girls navigate their breakups. And before a breakup, like, you fear all the necessary, unnecessary drama and the humiliation and the losing friends that you both have made from each other and so on. So with that being said, what is the healthy way to let go of that toxic relationship? And how do you move forward being in, like, a similar environment as somebody who's your ex? Go burn his pictures too. I'm just kidding. Um, By the way, I've been there. The guy I did not study abroad for married the girl I'm not supposed to worry about. I know. No. Yes. No way. Yes, girl. Ugh, the worst. And whatever. They're a much better match. Have fun. But yeah, it was pretty devastating at the time. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I feel you. And to answer your question about how to move on, my biggest advice is to tell yourself what is true. Because in the middle of a breakup, you are swimming with, he hates me. I feel rejected. I feel unloved. I feel unworthy. I am the scum of the earth. And like you just, you know, you fill yourself with all of these ridiculous things. And you take a deep breath and you tell yourself what is true. Okay. This boy rejected me in one way or another. He said that we are not supposed to be together. Cool. Is he the definer of my worth? No. Is he, am I still worthy of love? Yes. Am I still a whole human being? Yes. You know, who am, who am I loved by? Start to make a list. We like to, we can quickly say the people who have hurt us and broke us and left us with scars. What about the people who have healed us? Are they still in our lives? Do we have good friends? Do we have good family? I mean, I would like to think almost everyone has those things. And so lean into what is true, who you are, whose you are. If you are a believer, that is definitely, you know, a time to be like, God, I am believing lies about myself right now. And I know this is not true. This is not of you. You are not a God of confusion and you are not a God of lies. But can you please remind me right now who you say I am to you and who you created me to be? And Fill yourself with those words, write it down, write a journal. Sometimes I'll write it in third person, like dear Katie, (laughs) God says that you are worthy and beautiful and set apart. And you know, the change we want to see, like all of these things. And that is a game changer, filling yourself with those words versus those ugly voices in your head that are not true and replacing those with lies. You know, the scripture says we need to take our, our thoughts captive and replace them with truth. So that's my biggest advice. That's like, you know, the getting it all together, like cleaning out the closet, like the painful, messy, but necessary work to, to get your head straight after a breakup. I love that. So when I was reading your book, actually, I found a quote that stuck with me and it says, stop chasing boys and start chasing Jesus, which I think is awesome, by the way. Um, yay! I'm I'm big in my faith as well. So reading your book, especially, I was like, okay, this is like sorority and Christianity, like all and boys and like all of this nonsense, like all of it, all in one. And I loved it. So coming off yay. of what you just said, 
was there a specific moment that made you realize that like pursuing your relationship with Jesus with Jesus was more important than like all of the unnecessary crap? <laughs> yes, and by the way, I love you, a hundred percent. And it's totally around all of this too. And my senior year in college, I had what I call the breakup that broke me, and it was it was gosh, it was totally. And that's why I wrote the book. It was all around that, like my. 21 year old self, like a junior, I would have told you, I just had to try harder, like be prettier, be more agreeable, you know, be more involved in your sorority, make better grades, like work, 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 work. And you know, then I had this boyfriend and we were going to get married and we were going to have a white picket friends and, you know, have matching unicorns. And like, <laughs> it was all planned out. And when that didn't work out, I was like, it's like I'd put all of my chips to the middle of the table. Like there was no plan B. Like I tried as hard as I could. I searched as hard as I could. Like everything within me was like, here is my plan after graduation. And he told me he wasn't going to be there. And I was like, no, no, and no. And I was devastated. It was like the end of me. And that is when I heard the woman at the well story. And it's in John chapter four, this sweet, amazing woman does not even have a name recorded in the scripture, but it's the longest recorded conversation with Jesus. And it was a heartbroken girl. And that conversation stood out to me just as if he was having it with me. And essentially he was like, you have searched so hard in a boy. She was married five times and living with a boy who wasn't married to. I like to think she was doing the ancient day walk of shame in her boyfriend's toga. (laughs) (laughs) I like to modernize it anyways. And Jesus met her there and was like, you're never going to find worth in another sinful human being. Like you're just, you're not going to, I know you've tried super hard and you're not going to. And gosh, think about how heartbroken I was. This is when a woman couldn't buy property, couldn't have a job, you know, was destitute without a a man. So her worth was Mm -hmm. tied up in a man even more than our current day. And, you know, and yeah, so he met her there and it met me there too. And it was essentially the verse that stood out to me was I came to give you eternal water. So you'll never thirst again. And it was like, what? There's a way to get off this hamster wheel. There's a way to fill, to be fulfilled and thirst, you know, quench my thirst that I've had for so long. And that's when I turned to Jesus and everything changed. And the next guy I dated was my husband. So I love that. That's so sweet. (laughs) That's like every girl's like, aw story, you know? Yes. And he was so different than any other guy I dated. And that breakup that broke me, I look back and like, oh my gosh, thank God. You know, he wasn't anywhere close to the kind of believer my husband is. And yeah, I'm just, again, this is the theme of our podcast that rejection is redirection. I love that. That's going to be my life motto from now on. (laughs) So you talked about him not wanting to be there like after college. That's a rough one. I mean, I know so many people struggle with the idea of like what's next after these four years or however long you're in school for. So I think what I want to ask is what kind of advice do you have for college girls who are preparing for the working world and just like how to move past like the four years that you just went through, like having pretty much the time of your life? Yeah, that's a great question. And I love that because when you go from high school to college, 
you don't realize it, but the red carpet is really rolled out. Like here's a sorority, here's a club. Freedom. Well, yeah. And community, you know, you're automatically surrounded by people your age with similar interests, with similar passions. And you're of course going to make a ton of friends and it's just natural to find community. But then, especially if you move away after graduation. So you're, you know, in South Carolina, say you move to another city and it's like, okay, cool. Welcome to the town. Welcome to your job. Here's your badge. Get to work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And obviously I hope they're nice and welcoming, but there is definitely not natural ways to make community in the real world. And a lot of uh, 20 something struggle with this. I talked to a girl who moved to Chattanooga actually after graduation and was just kind of found herself in a slump. She was working night shifts and had been there for several months and hadn't found her people because you have to do work at it. So I guess my number one advice is it is up to you now to find your community, to find your people. And that is hard because it's always kind of been done for you. So the questions to ask yourself is who do I want to surround myself with? Maybe that's people who go to the gym. Maybe that's people who go to church. Maybe that's people who go to salsa dances, go, I don't know, um, whatever kind of classes, whatever kind of interests you. I realize pandemic stuff, but hopefully things will start to be opening up. You can join clubs, go to events. There is an event for everything, especially if you live in a decent sized city. So sign up for the things, go to the networking events, go to the business after hours for the chamber of commerce, whatever, and meet your people. And then you have to ask your people to hang out. So you really connected with this girl in spin class. She seems really cool. You're the same age. You like to get to know her the better. It's like dating, right? You know, it's like, (laughs) Hey, um, after, after spin class next Thursday, you want to go grab a cup of coffee, you know, see what she says and make friends. And, um, I know when we first moved here, I, that was put to a test for me because people were like moving so hard, Katie. I'm like, Oh no, 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 I'll be fine. I'll be fine. But it was hard. It was way harder than I expected. And I had to stalk people, especially people who had lived here their whole lives and like had their community. (laughs) What do you want to hang out now? How about now? <laughs> yeah. It's like the social part of you is just like depleted. Like once you get there, you're like, oh yes. no, <laughs> what's next? Yes. What is next? Yes. And um, we lived in this like rental house out in the middle of nowhere. So we didn't even have any neighbors or anything at first. And so I'm like taking my kids to the park every day, like going up to other moms with kids. Hey, hey, will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? It sounds like I was pretty desperate. It wasn't that bad. I ended up meeting people. I went to the YMCA. I met some moms and met some friends. And I actually started a mastermind group, which was super helpful and met other like women entrepreneurs in the area and stuff. So, but that's, that was up to me. It was all up to me to find my community, especially moving to a new area. And nobody tells you that part. So go find your people, surround yourself with people who sharpen you and yeah, go, go do big things. Yeah. Something along with that, like Everybody says in high school graduation, you know, college is the best four years of your life. Like you're going to have the best time ever. And at first when I got, when I got to school, I was like, oh, maybe they're right. Like freedom. My parents aren't here. Like no rules. Duh. But then like you still, you start to realize like, oh, I'm missing my friends from home. Like school's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I haven't connected with that many girls in my sorority yet. So it's just like, you take a step back and you're like, this is not what I was expecting. <laughs> that was hard for me at first. Definitely realizing that it's up to me to like put myself out there and like try to make more friends and meet more people. And that's, I mean, gives you a year until you really get into the group of things. But now it's like, I want to be the person that like helps those freshman girls understand like 
that could be cakewalk. <laughs> yes, but people need to take notes from you, my friend, because I'm so impressed by your go get it, go get it to ifness. <laughs> go girlness because I mean you reached out to me to book me with the sorority you wrote that LinkedIn article you reached out about this podcast like you just asked the questions and a lot of people don't ask the questions and so I want to interview you like as a (laughs) PR major I don't know if you've learned this or it just came natural to you but I think that I wish I would have known what you seem to know, or maybe you're learning as you go. I don't know, but how do you do that so well? It seems, it seems that you do that so well about just reaching out and doing the big things. I mean, honestly, my mom, like both of my parents are very intelligent people and I've had the blessing to be able to see how they've navigated their lives, like with work and like raising us. And I mean, I haven't really learned too, too much yet because I'm only halfway through college, but my mom always told me like, you're not going to get anywhere by sitting on your butt. Like you're going to have to go out there and like reach for what you want. And I've always, always tried to put myself out there. I mean, whether it be with like school or the tour guide job that I didn't get or the camp counselor job that I didn't get, or even running for my sorority exec in front of 350 girls when like talking to that many people isn't really my strong suit. So kind of just like, as they say, like shaking off the nerves and just throwing yourself out there because rarely are people going to come to you. And I've had a lot of interview experience because I worked for a newspaper in high school, like our local town newspaper. So they would give me opportunities to go out and like interview local businesses and people that are just like on the street. Like I would come up with like a column and write like something fun for the newspaper. And that's really taught me a lot about like personable skills and a lot of just about like the job world in general. It's like big girl stuff. <laughs> well, I'm just so proud of you. And I feel like that's so much to be learned for college students from what you're doing, because first of all, what's the worst that can happen? You know, people will say no or ignore mm-hmm. you. Like no one's going to die over that. Right. <laughs> but the best case scenario is we could do a podcast together, girl. It's so fun. <laughs> I know. It is so fun. I love podcasts. I think they're so much fun. I wanted to tell you, because you said it's Sorority Girls Can Change the World Day, correct? It is today, baby. Yay. So we're recording. Yeah, this won't, this won't air today, but yes, it is right now as we record. Yes. Yes, I love that. I, I think I saw that on your Instagram earlier. I could be wrong, but that's awesome. I wanted to ask you, you know, how did being in a sorority impact your life? like after college, what led you to want to build your own brand and even like write your own books, start your own podcast, start your own Bible study. Like that's very admirable. I feel like not that many women that graduate from sororities are like, I want to focus on like current girls in sororities. It's very cool job. Like that's so much fun. (laughs) Yes. Well, it was not on my own um, gumption, I guess you could say. I left college and was like, peace out. That was fun. Goodbye. And I did my job in marketing. I worked when I first graduated in advertising, I made local commercials and stuff. Well, first I ran away to New York and then I did commercials. Um, anyway, so I worked in just different forms of media and advertising and stuff. And everything I'm doing now was a whole like God thing. I was busy doing all the things. And if you listen to my podcast, 
I talk often about, I had a total like meltdown in our walk-in closet. Please tell me somebody has had one of those, like just one of those, like, oh, my (laughs) life is hard. And I was like doing all the quote Christian things and I was busy, like legit saving homeless people. I'm an Enneagram three, so I have to do everything like big. Mm-hmm. And have to be the quote best at it. Ridiculous. Anyways, um, so I'm like crying because um, in short, I tried to help someone always. She was never a project to me. She was always a friend. She was a sweet, sweet girl. But when I met her, she lived in um, a crack house and I helped her get an apartment, helped her get a car, helped her get um, a job, uh, an apartment, all these things. And as quickly as it helped her get everything together, all the pieces started to fall apart. And I started to realize I wanted a better life for her, for her than she wanted. And so that all led to like a total meltdown. I was like devastated over this. Um, I was crying in my closet and I'm like, God, can't you see how hard I'm working over here? Like, ah. And if ever I have been more sure I've heard the voice of God, it was in that moment when he said, when did I ever ask you to do all of the stuff that you're doing? Share your story with sorority women. That is what I have designed you to do. And I was like, Oh, well, that makes more sense. Than the light bulb came people. on. <laughs> yeah. That makes more sense than saving homeless people. Like there are people to do that. And he was like, I have people designed to do that. What do you, what do you know about being homeless? Like what the heck? Stop. You know, so, sorority women, that is your, that is your heart language. That is your first language, boys, Bacardi and trying to be beautiful. Like all of those attempts, all of those empty promises and search for significance. That's, that's your language. And I'm like, he's not wrong. Um, so that is how everything started for me. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I wrote a blog post that turned into an ebook that turned into an actual book. And once you had a book in your hand, people started asking me to speak. And I'm like, I mean, like on a stage, like with, with my, like me. <laughs> and I was doing it for hugs and coffee mugs. And then it grew to people like paying me actual dollars to go speak. And yeah, like over 50 colleges nationwide at this point. So that's unbelievable. It's crazy. That's I know, awesome. But it wasn't, <laughs> yeah. So all that to say, it wasn't like I graduated and was like, I'm going to go tell sorority girls they can change the world. It was, it was a God thing. I actually never even went through sorority recruitment. So that makes it even more of a God thing. Cause like sorority yeah. life wasn't even on my radar. And God's like, I'm going to choose the girl who never even went through sorority recruitment to go back and <laughs> be a light for sorority women. At least that's what I'm trying to be. That's amazing. Yeah, I love what you do. It's very admirable. And it's good to have somebody that's so positive and energetic because nobody likes listening to somebody boring, like talking to you, especially over Zoom. Like you made things so interactive. And again, like I said, you had so many compliments from all these girls in my chapter. Like they loved you. They really did. Thank you. I tell girls when I first start, and I probably said this to you too, I'm like, my vow is to be anything but boring. I love it. (laughs) So we're going to have to do a yoga pose, ladies. Buckle up. (laughs) I love the yoga pose. That was one of my favorite parts. That was awesome. Yay. So something that I've always been geared towards is my ability to lead. Like that's one of my favorite like parts growing up. I would love to do camps with kids. And I taught my Bible study church group, whatever, for five years and like from middle school to high school. So when I was elected the vice president of FIMU, I was so excited to take on like a new exciting role, like not only within my sorority, but within people my own age, which was very unfamiliar to me at first. Um, Cause you can't act like the adult in this situation. You gotta be like, Oh, I'm your friend, you know? And 
lately, um, we've been having some trouble with bonding our exec to the rest of our chapter, just simply because of COVID. There's been some sort of disconnect where members feel like they're out of the loop or just frustrated with the lack of activity or things that have been going on. Like there's only so much that you can do during these times, but two of our exec members, Eva and Cassie actually came up with an idea to do walks with the exec, which is just like, we all meet at the five view house at 10 AM on a Sunday morning. And we're just going to walk along the river and they can just get to know us more or ask any questions that are on their mind, which I think was really smart because that's just such like an open that. activity. Like there's no, there's no stress. There's no like reason for people to be like upset. Yeah. Um, and it's very informal, which is also nice. So my question would be as a leader, what advice do you have to further engage a big group of girls during COVID? Like when things are a little bit more different than usual, because I know you do exec bonding activities like within like your brand, that's what you do too. Yes. Well, two things. What I do when I meet with the exec board to kind of help them bond is I have them go around the room and say what they see in each other as leaders. So say there's a group of like seven girls on exec, the president goes around and says what she sees in each of those seven girls as leaders. And then the vice president does the same. And then the VP of finance. And so they all get to give like two minutes of say what they say in each other as leaders. And that is super, super powerful. And there's always some tears and it, because we don't take the time to do that and say what we see in each other. Um, but that's to help form the leaders. But what you're asking, I think is to kind of help empower the women. I would say to give them just as much leadership or as voice as you possibly can, because it's much easier to coach from the sidelines as the saying goes, which means like members of any kind of organization are going to be like, Oh, the president should do it this way. And they should do this with the money and they should blah, 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 blah great, but you are not the leader and they don't understand. They don't see all the things that you're dealing with and they don't see all the millions of different um, hats and plates you're juggling on kind of stuff. So, I mean, there's different ways to ask for their advice. I mean, you know, it depends on the, give me an example of like a a social or something like that. Maybe getting their feedback of what to do for a social, trying to think of a specific example. Like a Google form. Well, yeah, I guess I was thinking like a Google form or even, okay, guys, we're having our first social, of the semester after COVID at this date, do you want to do A, B, or C? Like give them, you can narrow it down, but maybe give them a say on what they want to do. I love the walk with the exec though. I think that's incredible. And if they don't sign up and still complain, that's on them, you know? Right. <laughs> so getting, getting to know you, like, you know, tearing down the walls, if you think that they can't come to you, that's a hundred percent tearing that down by having this weekly or however often you do it walks with exec. I think that's incredible. Just asking for their opinions, asking for the feedback. And, you know, it's tricky because if you get, if you can't ask for too open ended of a question, like, what do you think we should do next semester? No, because then you're going to get like 700 people, different opinions. So I would just say, you know, narrow it down A, B, or C. Like, what do you think we should do here? Or, and that's what people suggest when people do businesses and stuff. Like, I'm about to order t shirts. Do you want the red ones or the blue ones? And ask them to vote. You can do that on Instagram polls and easy stuff like that. And that way they feel like they have more ownership and committees, you know, exec has committees asking them to do more. And that's something that's also hard for women, like asking for help, but you're not only asking for help to, you know, alleviate you, you're asking for help to empower them. And so you're giving them actually a role and a responsibility, which adds value to them and to, you know, your chapter by giving them that responsibility. So making sure exec members utilize their, um, 
their board and the people that are on their team. Yeah, I love that. That's a really good response. I, it's definitely difficult when there's been so many restrictions on what we're not allowed to do and what we are allowed to do recently. So things are starting to open up and like become a little bit more normal. So we're definitely allowed to have more of like an array of like options, which is, I think, going to help a lot. And I feel like a lot of chapters are also struggling with the same thing because I'm in a VP group chat at FIMUSE and they're like, what do I do? Like, like, girl, I don't know. (laughs) And kudos to you for being a leader during these times, because there is no manual of how to be a VP of your sorority during a global pandemic, you know? (laughs) Right. And you're figuring that out and, um, and you're defining that and, and you're doing a great job. So kudos to everyone who's an exec during these times. Thank you. It's definitely tough, but it's it's also helpful when there's, you know, 14 other girls on our exec to help tie everything together. So we, we're definitely all trying to work together, you know, getting each other's feedbacks for our different positions, which has definitely helped a lot more. Um, it's also very hard trying to keep girls paying attention over Zoom. I found that so difficult like so hard because how do you keep somebody engaged for I mean 20 30 40 minutes whatever how long it is and that's why I've been trying to incorporate more like guest speakers which is why when you came you were like our first like real guest speaker and it was like such a positive like such like positive feedback which I think helped boost my confidence a little bit and helped me make sure like okay maybe this is what we should start to be doing from now on like having more people like just come empower the girls in our chapter during times that like they're just not being lifted up you know so I didn't send you this one before but I think that this is an important question so what do you feel is one of the bigger mistakes that sorority girls or sororities as a whole make today like how are they missing the mark how are they not meeting like good expect not expectations but like what sorority should be and what they should be doing That's a good question. I would say go back and learn your founding sisters, what they dreamed up when it comes to sorority. What are what's your motto? What's your creed? Do you have some type of like verse? What are your founding sisters names? When I ask a girl that, and especially she's on exec and she doesn't know it, I'm like, girl, (laughs) you better know those founding sisters names and know what they stood for. And you know, this was before Google was invented. This was before there was any type of manual or anyone who had gone before them. And they looked to the sharpest women they knew. And they said, I know I am better when I have accountability, when I have women around me challenging me, not letting me settle for status quo. And I don't think we're too far gone from that. And I think that the founding roots of why we exist is to get back to that and to sharpen each other. Um, as you know, I always give the example of our daughters climbing a rock wall and, you know, our oldest daughter is not super athletic. That was not her jam, but her, my youngest, um, our youngest daughter, her little sister was cheering her on every step of the way. Like you got this, I'm not going to let you fall. I can see what you can't see one step at a time. And our daughter made it all the way up to the top of the wall for the very first time because of the coaching of her sister. And that is to me like such a great picture of sorority because sometimes we're the sister on the ground. Like 
cheering you on. I can see what you can't see. I'm not going to let you fall. I'm here for you, sister. You better keep going. You know, don't text him back. <laughs> Go study your chemistry homework, whatever it may be. And sometimes we're the sister on the wall, scared to death. Are you sure you got me? I don't know what I'm doing here. Please don't let me fall. Please help me one step at a time. And together, coaching each other through life, <laughs> through those college years, which are confusing. You're away from home for the very first time. You're finding your footing. You're growing up. There's so much happening. And having incredible women around you calling out the best in each other. Like, I mean, it's unstoppable. And it's a really incredible thing if we can just remember that and remember why we is why your founding sisters dreamed it up in the first place. I love that. That was a great answer. Snaps. Snaps. <laughs> that's all that's all I have. You're awesome. Well Jill, I appreciate you reaching out. I appreciate what you do. I love that your parents taught you just to ask for things and to do the big things and to write the LinkedIn articles. And I just think that you're going to be incredible grown up. And I'm so proud to know you. I can say I knew you when. <laughs> Thank you. That's very nice. I'm glad that we got the opportunity to do this. This is awesome. I am too. And thank you for being here. Do you want to give a shout out to your sorority? Yeah. So South Carolina FIMU, our Instagram is at SC And my best friend, Elizabeth actually runs it. So shout out Elizabeth. I love you. <laughs> Yay. And shout out your Instagram handle too, just for fun. Okay. My Instagram handle is Jillian M. DeMarco. And that's DeMarco with an I. Jillian M. DeMarco. Everybody go follow her because she's awesome. All right, Jill, you're the best. Thank you so much for the reverse interview today. Yay. Thank you for having me. Everything I do started with having coffee dates with my younger friends. And this podcast I like to imagine is just that. You and I having a coffee date. And if it went by too quickly for anyone else besides just me, there are plenty more episodes to check out in the archive. So just scroll up, find a topic that suits your fancy and give it a listen. If an episode made a difference in your life, take a screenshot, share it on social, give me a tag at Katie Wilmer Life so I can give you a big virtual hug. And leaving those reviews on iTunes is a chai tea latte to my soul to see your reviews. And thank you so much for each of you who keep coming back week after week and getting some truths for your 20s.